Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to episode six of the Young Contemptibles podcast. And boy, do we have a special treat for you. Today's interviewee is a member of Living History Royalty and has even been attributed as the number one tribute to Louis Armstrong in Banbury. It is, of course, Mr. Peter Neal, a very dear friend of mine, co-presenter of Living History UK and chairman of the Oxford Books Living History Society. So, Pete, tell us when and how you first got involved in Living History. Well, I thought Louis Armstrong would come back to haunt me. I, 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 was, I was half expecting that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, so we've got to go back, oh, gosh, um, probably about 25 years ago, I imagine, really. Um, so my first introduction to living history was when my mum used to take me to a place called Soulgrave Manor. Okay. Uh, in Northamptonshire, just on the outside of uh, Banbury. We, uh, she used to take me there. There used to be an event there once a year. And it was the English Civil War Society. Um, so they'd have their camp there and do a little battle. Um, and I thought it was really cool. Um, so it was almost like a tradition uh, that my mum used to take me over there. Um, and I just thought it was really interesting. And I, I always thought that was the only thing for living history or, or reenacting. Um, obviously my thirst for history grew as I got older, mainly into like the military history side of things. Um, but then as of, again, as I got older, I then realized that there's actually a wider world out there. It wasn't just English civil war. There's, um, well, it was name, name your period of history. And I ended up going to a show down in Kent, which was military odyssey. Uh, where I saw this uh, multi-period event for the very first time, and it was amazing. And at that time, I was sort of seeing from my own eyes, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like-minded people here, 
who want to educate the public. And that's what I want to do as well. And that, that was at the age of 15, that was. Um, so I thought, right, that's what I'm going to do then. I'm going to, I'm going to join a group. And that's where it started when I was 15 years old. Blimey, so going, going to your first event, what, what kind of, was it English Civil War? You said you mentioned that was one of the first events you went to as a sort of your spectator. Was it English Civil War you first started getting involved in or was it another period? So I went, so when I went to Military Odyssey, I went there when I was 15, when I was like, right, I'm going to join a group now. It's my time. It's my time to get into this uh, hobby. So originally I was going to do World War II. I was going to do World War II British. And um, I decided to join a group. Um, I went there, but they weren't there. They never went that year. And I was like, oh, that's, that's good, isn't it? <laughs> I, I want to go and join this group. And they're not even here. So... Um, I then started, moving, I just started nosing around and um, came across a display and it was a Vietnam War display. And I was like, this is actually quite interesting. I, I don't actually know a lot about the Vietnam War, but the display was really, really good because they had this little pond with rushes and had a mannequin in there doing a river crossing and the bloke and had a bunker set up and a bloke's outside the bunker with a, uh, uh, with a radio all mannequins and that. So it was like a little, almost like a little museum diorama inside mm. a massive uh, tent, which was awesome. But then I started speaking to a couple of the guys and, um, and I thought, you know what? I don't know much about Vietnam and I think this would be a really good way to learn about it. And that's what I did. So I joined the American Infantry Preservation Society doing the 9th Infantry Division. So that was my very first group about, what was that, 16, 16 17 years ago. So that was my first introduction to reenacting slash living history was uh, Vietnam. Blimey, so that was sort of 16, 17 years ago. That's, that's almost as, as long as I, I've been going, which makes me feel a little bit younger, I have to say, which is quite nice. But <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so you started off with Vietnam. So is, is that a period that you've con been consistent with and stayed with throughout your whole uh, living history career? Or have you kind of... Um, come away from it, gone back to it? Has it been ever-present? Or have you branched out into other periods as well? Uh, I, I was kind of dipped in and out of it with Vietnam. So um, primarily, I've done World War II. That's, that's been my mainstay, because I was with the Apes for two years, maybe three. Um, and then while I was with the Apes, there was another Apes member um, who did World War II Airborne. And, uh, and that was actually something I actually wanted to do. And we, we started chatting and he said, uh, well, if you're, if you're deadly serious and you want to do a bit of World War II Airborne, the group that I'm with are actually quite a good group, quite professional. It's a very small group, but uh, very professional. Um, but if you want to join them, I'll give you the contact details. And he did. And I spoke to their chairman, who was uh, Kev Loden. And uh, how old was I then? About 17. Yeah, I was about 17, maybe just turning 17. Spoke, spoke to him, uh, went for my first event with them. Uh, then I got really, really into uh, my World War II stuff. And I kind of did it in conjunction to start off with uh, doing Vietnam and World War II Airborne with uh, Just Ordinary Men, which was Kev's group. Um, but then being, being 17 years old, Obviously, as as you know, Steve, it's uh, it's not a cheap hobby, is it? <laughs> especially for, especially for a seventeen year old who, like back in them days, was like probably earning. I was probably earning maybe three hundred pound a month or something like that. Good paper, um, man. Oh uh, yeah, I was, I was working for the co-op. That's why. That's why <laughs> I was. I, I was working for the co-op back then. Um, 
so I um, so I was like, well, something's got to give. Um, so I decided to leave the Apes and focus more on the World War II airborne side of things. And I stayed with JOM, or just with my men for, oh, so I was with them for when I was about 17, so that's 18, 19, 20. I was about 21, maybe 22 when I left. Hmm. Um, but in in between that as well, I'd, I'd sort of dipped in and out one or two other little little um, little projects that I've been invo- I got involved in. But um, but then also went to Vietnam, went back to Vietnam as well because we um, we used to when I was with the H, we used to do a lot of work with a group called the UK Air Cav. So they'd actually come to a lot of our private battle weekends. And that's where I, that's my first sort of experience of real living history, where we're wearing the gear, we're going out on patrols, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll look hunting the enemy down, so, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, to get that real feel of uh, walking through um, like the thick foliage with, uh, with like a hundred pound on your back. Um, so there was a group that always used to attend with us, which was the UK Air Cav. And one year at War and Peace, it was, it, I'd sort of come to a point um, where I wanted something new. Obviously, money got better. I've changed jobs, obviously getting older, money gets better. And um, and I was uh, talking to one of their main blokes who I obviously knew back in that, back in my time with the apes. And um, and he said, oh, you know, you, do you still have your Vietnam gear? I'm like, of course I've still got it. <laughs> I'm a hoarder. <laughs> 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 um, and he's like, well, if you want to do a bit of us, come and do a bit of us. You're more than welcome. Because it's like, look, you, you came from the apes and the apes, even today, they have a really high standard of authenticity and the way they do things. And I think that's what set me in my stead of how I am today. Because uh, they, they implanted that into me. So it was like, look, you've come from the apes. And that that carries quite a bit with the uh, UK air cav. And I'm like, well, I'll give it a go. So I kind of, so I did just all my men and UK Air Cav at the same time. So when I went to the UK Air Cav, it was the Seventh Cavalry. It was uh, Charlie Two Seven. So that was uh, Charlie Company, Second Platoon, Seventh Cavalry. That was, and we kind of did like 1968, 69, uh, occasionally on the verge of 1970, but mainly sort of 1969, just the normal American infantry stuff. So I was with them for quite a while again uh but then in while doing that so then i ended up leaving jom because my time with jom run its course it was time for me to do other things so i then focused on vietnam again um and that was for a good four four or five years i think i was with them Hmm. um and by the time i'd actually finished up with uk air cav i ended up being almost part of the management team of it um so I ended up taking on the role of the platoon of the platoon sergeant in the uh, in the group. Uh, so I ended up being sort of part of organize not so much organising organising, but part of that almost sort of inner sanctum of the organisation of the group, if if, if that makes uh, any sense at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then doing first, then First World War came up. I then wanted to do First World War uh, again. A lot of stuff I've done, I've kind of run in conjunction with, because um, it keeps it keeps my mind active with it. Because uh, if I do one thing for too long, I'll start getting bored. But if I've got that one thing or two things where I can go, ah, I've got an event that weekend where I can go to and do that, and that takes me away from it. But I always do a group where I can I can relax. So that was the thing with the UK Air Cav, where because of the position I got to in the UK Air Cav, of being like almost part of that management team. I was starting to go, well, this is well, it's not, not a job, but um, 
I need something to, I need to go somewhere where I can turn up with me, pack on me back and go tell me what to do, not me telling other people what to mm-hmm. do. Um, and that's where First World War came along. So um, I, I was very much aware of the uh, Rifles Limb History Society run by Lawrence Taylor. And I spoke to him one day and I said, uh, I'd quite like to do First World War. He was like, would you now? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I would. And, uh, and he's never looked back since, since I joined. <laughs> I don't think he's had the chance. <laughs> I don't think he has, no. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I joined them. So I literally turned up, got told what to do and all that. I was happy and I'm happy with that. And, uh, and then obviously things evolve again. So I then ended up leaving the UK Air Cav and then primarily focused on world war one because that's all i had at that time a little bit of world war two because by this point i'd already been on the circuit for oh, what 10 year 10 10 or so years mm. so I, I already i'm already known by different groups people and um so i almost become a mercenary at some point <laughs> <because> <laughs> yeah. I, oh we've got a weekend going on this weekend you fancy coming to it yeah all right then. <laughs> um and I and that that's how it worked for for a good couple of years. Um, and yeah, so literally, I I was dabbling in loads of different. I was like Mr. Ben. I was all these different time periods, and I still got a kit for everything. Um, and then I was like, then I got then with first world war stuff. I was also focusing with that. I was like, ah, we're at that point again where we need to do something in conjunction with because it's going to start getting a bit bit boring for me. Um, so. But then I was off. I always wanted. To, I've always wanted a Baker rifle, uh, but I was like, I ain't getting a license or nothing like that. So I'll get a really good quality replica one. So on the uh, Rifles Living History uh, Society page, I put a thing up saying, "Look, I want a, I want a uh, a replica Baker rifle, and uh, to go and go over my fireplace <laughs> like everyone, <laughs> like everyone, <laughs> any sane person." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I posted that up, um, I think within, oh, it could have been within hours, um, uh, a Steve Davis uh, replied to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, I, I sell, I, I sell, uh, I, I sell um, replica Baker rifles. I'm like, oh, very good. So then obviously the, uh, we then started chatting. He was like, you're like, uh, so, uh, so you're a bugler then, are you? <laughs> well, I've dabbled in my time. <laughs> oh, well, we're, uh, we've got an opening. I, I, I'm actually part of the uh, 5th, 60th. Oh, yeah, how are you? Oh, yes. Do <laughs> uh, you fancy coming along? Oh, no, I ain't got no kit. And I was like, I've got no kit or anything. I was like, no, 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 I've got no, I've got no kit. And um, when I was with, back when in the day I was with J-O-M, um, one of our members, Chris, he he actually did the Pony Onyx back in the nineties, and he always he always made it sort of a horror story. He's like, "Yeah, it's going to be thousands of pounds if you want to do the Pony Onyx." I'm <laughs> like, "Well, I'm never going to do the Pony. I ain't spending ridiculous amounts of money on that." Um, and I'll see you, Tim. I said, "No, well, we've got group kit." I'm like, mm. "Okay, so uh, we got group kit. We'll be able to fit you out." And I'm like, "You'll never be able to fit me out. I am a monster." <laughs> one way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, never More ways than one. <laughs> yeah, I might get one arm in the sleeve, but that's about it. And you're like, "No, no, 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 no. I, I, I reckon we we can do some of that." But lo and behold, I turned up to uh, Witterson. Yeah, it's Witterson Castle. Turned up at Witterson Castle for my first event. Got thrown a bag of kit, and it. 
well, I say it fitted. <laughs> it, <laughs> it fitted by the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, it fitted where it touched. Um, and then that was it. Then I was with the 560th then. Um, so that was all your fault, Steve. It uh, was. So that, so that was 2014, wasn't it? That was yeah, the end, was, end of yeah. 2014. So the group yeah, was, yeah. was getting ready for Waterloo. Um, mm. But it was in four, that, so the 200th anniversary of Waterloo. But unfortunately, it was too late for you to get involved with the 200th anniversary of Waterloo, which was, of course, a shame. But you became a, a core member of the group from that point onwards. Um, up until, um, so we, 2018, we went to Waterloo and took part in the uh, Living History event now, which was, which was a really good event. I actually enjoyed that more than the uh, 2015 event, even though it was a much uh, more of a lower key affair. It was still a brilliant event. But then 2018 came along, as just mentioned, Waterloo. And... Uh, some um, some seeds were planted, weren't they, when we were there? Yes, somewhat, yeah. The Oxen Books Living History Society yeah, was. was born in that year. Yeah, almost, yeah, yeah. Underneath that, underneath that bivouac, <laughs> <laughs> the society was born uh, doing a commando crawl uh, out from underneath yeah. our bivouac, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was, but, yeah. Because uh, obviously, yeah, our, our part in. Uh, like the the life of the fifth sixth was coming to an end. Obviously, you mm. you left the year before I did. Yeah. Um, then after you left, other people started to go, and I was like, I was I ended up sort of sitting there going, I'm bored of this now. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, but again, in that in that in that sense, oh yeah, I was still doing First World War with uh, Lawrence Taylor's group. Um, but I was also doing World War Two at that point as well because I'm uh, I'm still with them now because that's that's my go-to group of <laughs> I turn up with my bag and they tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone um, needs a group like that. They do, yeah, mm. they do. Um, so that's Les Parachutist run by Dickie Bass. Uh, so that's doing SAS. That is that's doing SAS in World War Two, which is something a little bit different, not your usual sort of airborne sort of thing. Uh, which I quite enjoy. Really good, really good group. Again, it's one of them groups with a really high standard as well, because mm. it's also one of those things with me. I won't join a group if it doesn't have a good standard. If I don't think it has a good standard, I won't. I won't waste my time. To be quite honest. Yeah, but again, but but that's going back to that time of of the apes installing that. You know, if you if you don't get it right, don't do it at all. So it's all hard back from that. So yes, yeah, so obviously I was doing those three things and then i left then i then i ended up leaving the 60th and um well we went up i can't remember how it all really started steve was it i, I came up I, I came up to your house didn't i i came up to yours in in Tubworth. we were sat on your sofa chatting away then we started talking about dunkirk weren't we mm. um and we're like well shall we do dunkirk i'm like well we can do i've got i've got the kit for it um and he's like and then you was like well I can get the kit. Yeah. <laughs> <So> I, <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Because um, originally we were going to do the Dunkirk March. That's how it all mm. sort of originally started. So I was well, shall we do this Dunkirk March, that March that's being organised? I'm like, yeah, I'll be up for it if you want to do it. And then suddenly the people that had left them, obviously after Wix, that's where it was born. It was born, it was born on that, <laughs> it was born on your sofa, weren't it? <laughs> the, uh, the Ox and Bucks Living History Society. Yeah. Um, because then after we spoke about it, uh, people that had already left the 560th or on the verge of leaving 
well, I, I'd be up for that as well. So basically, everyone that left joined the Ox and Bucks Living History Society. Um, so that, that was a no, that was that was, you know, that was a nice thing to happen. But then suddenly there was the five of us. Then it turned into ten of us. Then it turned into fifteen of us. Then it was like twenty of us. I think on the books we got twenty-five people now, and that was in the space of like eighteen months. I was like, "What is going on here?" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, uh, there's a number of us that kind of completed that circle of life in the you know in the group with the fifth, sixtieth, and uh, it was just the, the kind of natural end for us, really, wasn't it? So um, yeah, we kind of looked, moved on to pastures new. Um, you know, fantastic group, good number of the guys still stayed there and the group's still going. So if anyone wants to get involved in a top quality living history group in the Polonic era, uh, have a look for the 560th Rifles, a great bunch of guys and a fantastic living history group too. Right, guys, we're going to take a short break. Uh, join us after the advert and we'll carry on with Pete's uh, magical mystery tour in his career of living history. Here at the Young Contemptibles podcast, we are very honoured and proud to be sponsored by Quartermaster Stores, a UK business specialising in bespoke leatherwork, footwear and historical clothing for living historians. Whether you are an old hand or a complete beginner in the world of living history, there really is something for everyone. And what's even better is that listeners of this podcast are entitled to a 5% discount. Simply use the code QMCAST5, that's QMCAST5, at checkout when shopping on quartermaster-stores.com. Hello folks and welcome back to part two of this rather exciting episode where we've got Pete Neal on the other end of the microphone. He's uh, been talking about the Oxen Books Living History Society. So we were talking about the group forming uh, post sort of Waterloo 2018. Uh, so what happened with the group after, uh, after then? What was the first events the group got involved in, Pete? So initially... Uh, like we said, we, were, we, we formed to do uh, the Dunkirk March um, over in France to commemorate the 80th anniversary of Dynamo. Um, so we then started training for it. So we thought, oh, well, well, we'll get together. We'll do, uh, we'll study the manuals, do the drill of the time and uh, skill at arms, all that sort of stuff. Um, and it sort of then developed. Um, sort of more people then started coming along so they started hearing about it. Um, but then, unfortunately, once we got us out, we, uh, I think it was, our, it was our very last one in the October where we had a full platoon. Uh, we had a mm. full platoon of blokes, that look, which looked amazing. Um, I still look at the pictures now and I'm like, how did we manage that? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was on our first route march. Um, now we were starting off small, like, okay, we'll, go, we'll do a three miler, then we'll go up to a five miler, then we'll go up to a 10 miler, uh, just to start getting used to wearing the kit and whatnot. Um, but then obviously the world imploded on itself and COVID hit. So um, Dunkirk March was no more. Um, so from that, uh, we still do World War Two, you know, because from that, uh, blokes were going, well, can we not form a group from this? Well, well we could do if you want to. Um, so, so that's where me and you basically ended up running a group, <laughs> just, like, just, just from that, just from a bunch of blokes who want to do a Dunkirk March, just go, well, well, let's, well, let's, we might as well just become a group now then. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, but now we branched off as well. So not only are we doing BF of 1940, um, we've got, uh, Italy impression as well for the early, uh, it it Italian campaign. Uh, underway, so there's, a, there's about I think about half the members now 
I started getting that gear together. Uh, but also, not only are we doing World War II, we're also doing First World War now as well. So that's been quite interesting because that generated quite a bit of interest. And I was really surprised the amount of lads from the World War II side of things that went, I'd like to do First World War as well. So, <laughs> yeah. so once again, not only have we got, so I think probably just over half, I think, yeah, about, about half of our core members are doing First World War as well, which is brilliant. And then obviously that expanded from that. And then we then came up with the idea of doing the trench. Uh, <laughs> what, an, what an incredible event the trench was as well. I mean, that it was... was yeah. um, the first and second one. Yeah, because we did one, of course, in October, because the, the first yeah, one I did. spoke about on the previous podcast was meant to be March 2020. Mm, it was, yeah. COVID hit. It was pushed back to October of that year. And then the, the proper uh, trench event, I should say, because the first one was very much a litmus test, was obviously oh, was in us. September, yeah, it was, wasn't it, was, uh, it? It was very much the... Uh, was it was Wellington said, wasn't it? I knew I, I learned what not to do and not how to do it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was something along those lines, yeah. But yeah, I know what you mean. Those, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it was uh, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And and you know, obviously, we won't drag up too much on that on that event, but it was outstanding. There's almost no it other was. word that, that covers it. It was an incredible experience for everyone who took part. It was just nuts. Mm. <laughs> Oh, I, was, I was so impressed with the lads, the way they come together. And, you know, it's just like, as soon as they got into the holding area, that was it. They were First World War Tommies then. And you could see it, though, that all the banter had started. And then once we actually moved up into the line, they, you know, they just switched on. And they, mm. then they retained it throughout. They bought into the idea. And I was so proud of them by the end of it. Um, I just couldn't put it into words how proud I was of them because they just done so well, so well. It was it was an incredible event, and it definitely ranks as you know one of my top three events that I've ever done. Mm. And you know, the more and more I do these kind of private events, which I've only done in the past couple of years, to be fair, the more and more I sort of go towards that point of view of thinking. Actually, I, I learn and enjoy the private events far more than any of the public events I've ever done. Oh, I do as well. Um, you know, from that that you know that harks back to me time with the American Infantry Preservation Society when we used to go and do the field weekends um, you know it's all that learning because you're, you're wearing the equipment you're going on those long walks you, you know you're trying to find something you can't see you know and, I, and from that I learned so much from that and that's I think that's mm. where I brought into well when we came up with the well you well you came up with the idea and you're like well I'm if I'm doing it you're coming with me <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> absolutely and that, and, that, and that's what that's what made me buy into that idea because that took me back to I want to say my youth I'm only thirty I'm only thirty <laughs> thirty two I'm only thirty two but it, it took me all the way back to that time with the eight so I'm like yes we mm. need this yeah this is what this is how people learn this is how I learn yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's a real good proving ground for, you know, people who wear the kit for the first time. By the end of the weekend, you're learning where to put things, where not to put things, uh, how, to, how to go about, you know, just do little bits and bobs with, with your kit. And it just, it's just a fantastic um, proving ground for that kind of thing. But we're doing it all again next year, aren't we? We are. Yes. The uh, foundations a bit have been laid. So we're just uh, waiting for the blokes to sign up now. So the scenario is... Um, in skeleton form, I'd say at the moment, like we've got us now, but it's just slotting the pieces in here and there, how we actually are going to do it. But as, as an event, we're, we're good to go in a sense. <laughs> 
He we says are. we're confident. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, obviously, we organise it between ourselves, but it's such an administrative and just general nightmare to organise. It's, you know, one of those sort of thankless tasks in a way, but it's mm. absolutely worth every ounce of, you know, blood, tears, toil and sweat, to coin a phrase, um, that we put into it because it's, um, yeah. you know, it is it is a fantastic event and it is happening next year. It's happening in May. And if anyone wants to uh, get involved with that event and listen to this podcast, we're looking for British and German uh, troops for the event. Um, and you can contact us by either email, so the youngcontemptibles at gmail.com, or you can go on to Facebook on the Ox and Books Living History Society, um, find the group on there and drop us a message and uh, get in touch and get your name down for the event because it's uh, definitely one to remember. Tell the grandchildren about it. Yeah. And also, this one's a very different concept as well. Mm. Um, it's going to be a very different concept, and I think it's going to open a lot of eyes, I think. It's, good. it's a very unique um, event in that we're doing 1918 Spring Offensive. So yeah. um, it's going to be, yeah, it's good. It's going to be interesting. We won't spill too many beans no. for those reasons. Uh, nice to keep things as a, as a surprise. But, um, but yeah, it's going to be a, a stonking event, that's for sure. Indeed. So, Pete, this weekend, we're, we've got the uh, sort of luxury of doing something rather special with many of our uh, living history friends, haven't we? So... That is, of course, the Lord Mayor's Parade. Yes, yes, yes. That's um, yeah. So that uh, was started. Oh, when did we do it? It was, it was 2019, weren't it? We did it. That was the first time we did it, wasn't it? I, th I think it was 2019. Yeah, 2019. Was, yeah, yeah. So I got contacted by Seven Rifles, um, and they, so they, they, they go right. We would like. A timeline i'm like okay well well how it kind of started off so uh a bloke called mel turner uh got in contact with me um and he said uh right peter we need uh your guys to do lord mayors i'm like okay he goes well i've got this idea in my head that i want you guys there um and to sort of walk out in front, do a bit of, you know, a bit of patrolling and all the rest of it. Oh, okay, I was, we, we can do that, no problem. But then we started chatting, and we started chatting a bit more, bit more in depth about it. And then I just turned around to him. I said, uh, well, instead of just having us, how about we do a timeline? And he was like, I like a timeline. Can you, can, can, can you do this? I went... <laughs> course i can do this i've been in every period of history known to man <laughs> so um and, and that was the thing through doing all these different peers of history uh being known by all these different people um i create i managed to create a timeline um so i was uh sort of oc living history on the paperwork <laughs> And, um, and Mel was my point of contact and uh, it was a roaring success. You know, we had it for, we had the second 95th were there uh, and obviously 5th, 60th. Um, the Rifles uh, Living History, uh, I'm trying to think, oh, what's the proper title? It's the Rifles Living History Group, I think they're called, but they did a Crimean War. Um, then we had the 13th Surrey Rifles doing uh, sort of late Victorian, kind of the Zulu War period. Um, and then we had Lawrence Taylor, 
uh, with the Rifles Living History Society doing First World War. And then obviously us, the Oxford Bucks Living History Society, doing uh, BEF 1940. Um, and it was a roaring success, although the, they did cut us out the airing on it on the TV. Mm. Literally 5th, 60th came marching. They did that wonderful wheel around the corner. And mm. then bang, blackness. moved <laughs> <It was laughs> on to something else. And we never got seen. And uh, that... And that and that did upset quite a few people, uh, not just mm. us, but um, obviously seven rifles as well weren't very amused by it either. Um, so that was all done, roaring success. Then this year, um, again they'll go. Remember the uh, event back in two, 2019? Oh yeah, uh, can you do that again, but bigger? Oh, okay. <laughs> if we have to. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so uh, I ended up um, coordinating again, well, coordinating the living history side of it all over again. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a, a really good weekend. So, we've got a few new groups there, a few more periods as well. Um, yeah. So, it's going to be really good. Now, and I think if we don't get on the telly box, this time round, <laughs> yes. some there's going to be some very annoyed people. <laughs> Heads will roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw yeah, that in jest, so, of course. <laughs> oh, indeed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a really good event. Um, and like before, uh, G Company Seven Rifles are going to be putting us up like they did last time. Mm. Um, we're going to be billeted there, and they're going to entertain us for the evening, uh, like last time. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a cracker. Absolute cracker of a weekend. It is. It is. It's going to be a corker. Oh yeah. Just hopefully it don't rain. We were very lucky with the weather last year. Hopefully we'll retain it the same. Mm, I, I hope so. I mean, it is going to be a wicked event. I mean, it's going to be. I think it's the fourth time I've done it now. I did it with Napoleonics a couple of times, and obviously the Oxen books before. And this is the fourth time I've done it, and it's such an incredible feeling walking through the the streets of City of London, everyone cheering. Not necessarily cheering me, but you know, cheering the parade in itself. And, um, you know, it, it's really good fun. And we have, I think it's got about 100 blokes taking part on the living history side of things. Uh, and it's a real fantastic uh, timeline, isn't it? It's awesome. It's such a spectacle to see. So if anyone does want to see it, it's this weekend. So it's the 13th of November and it's on BBC One at 10.30 a.m. Or if you want to go into London, get yourself down into London, into uh, city centre. Yeah, get yourself a decent standing room. But yeah, we go all the way down. Yeah, in the city of London. We go all the way down, don't we? Past, um, past St Paul's, um, your Courts of Justice, and then we turn left onto the embankment and come all the way back up uh, Bank of England way, don't we? So uh, yes, if anyone does want to come in and, and, you know, sort of see see us in the flesh, um, you know, sh you know, shout hello to us or whatever, um, you know, from the sidelines. Um, but yeah, you can find the map of the route actually on the uh, on the internet, on the old interweb, it's on there. And it'll be, uh, be great to see, uh, see you guys out. It's going to be a, a corker of an event. Absolutely. So tell us, Pete, before we come to the end of this podcast, tell us about what, not necessarily what plans you've got, or if you have got some, some plans, let us know there. But what kind of, um, you know, wh where would you want to go with your living history career moving forward? Um, I don't know, because where I am at the moment, I'm, I'm very happy where I am at the moment. Um, with groups that I'm involved in, obviously the one that we co-run together as well. Um, I think, obviously now, obviously a co-presenter of Living History UK as well. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Another thing, thing you've roped me into. Another feather to the cap. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think 
I'd like to focus a bit more on like the not on the Living History UK thing. I'd I'd quite like to do that a bit more. Get us get us out there a little bit more. Uh, mm. A few more little field trips and things like that. I'd quite like that. But Living History side, Living Living History side of life. Um, don't know. Um, really don't know at the moment because everything I'm doing is what I want to do, and there's nothing there as such where I go. Oh, I'm going to do that in a couple of years' time. But maybe, well, actually, no, maybe there is one. I've always had a soft spot for the American Civil War. I've always been very interested in the American Civil War. So I think at some point in the future, at some place, at some time, there's, there's, a, there's a possibility you may, you may see me in American Civil War gear. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be interesting. It is a fantastic period. I mean, it's kind of, you know, by the Crimean War, it's the, it's the first major conflict that was... You know, subject to photography, wasn't it? So it's um, well, it was, yeah, really, yeah. really interesting in period that is. And you know, maybe maybe we might even do an episode of that in the, in the future. That'd be uh, that'd be interesting because it, it's a period I've, I found interesting, but not necessarily delved into much. So mm. we'll have to wait and see. But I have to say, Pete, it's been a fantastic uh, episode. I've really enjoyed having you on, and I'm sure our listeners have enjoyed listening to your dulcet tones. And uh, <laughs> you know, the future is just for anyone who will drop, drop this now. Pete's actually going to join Jake and I as a co-presenter on the podcast, and you'll hear Pete on next week's episode. So next week's episode is a very exciting episode. So Pete, tell us about it. Yeah. So my sort of debut as a well, a, a co-presenter on Younger Tentables now, by the sounds of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, um, yeah, so my sort of debut, so to speak, is uh, we went to visit uh, a World War II veteran called Reg, um, who was, not, he's ni- 97, isn't he, Steve? I think he's 98, 98 now, yeah. 98 now. Um, we'd been in contact, he was um, obviously through the Ox and Bucks Living History Society, um, it was his daughter, uh, messaged us and said uh, my dad would love to meet you and this was all like the pre-covid and whatnot so um so we've been waiting to see him for over two years now uh and luckily last weekend the uh the green light was on and we were off we went down to western supermare didn't we steve um and we went to see him uh, what um, what a character and he was a banbury man as well <laughs> even better he, um he, yeah he come from where i come from um which was nice because obviously he was like talking about old Banbury as well. Um, and he also owned a coal merchant, which you'll find out all in this uh, podcast that when it gets released, but he owned the, he owned the, uh, this coal merchant down by the canal. And I was always, I was trying to picture it in my head and I drove, and I think Steve, I drove past it last week. So I looked as I was going ah. across the bridge to the railway station, I looked to my right and there were some buildings that looked really similar to the painting that was in his hallway of the uh, coal merchants. Ah, uh, okay. I think uh. it was down there. So I'm at some point I will actually go into that little. Uh, cause it's like a little. Uh, what's it? Uh, industrial estate now, like a little miniature industrial estate. And I think it. I, I just got this weird feeling that that's where it is. It's kind of down there. It is. So uh, yeah. So yeah. What? What a character. Some great. Great stories he was coming out with well I say stories memories um he was coming out with um yeah absolutely terrific um yeah I think we spent well it must have been about five six hours with him didn't we Steve near enough yeah about five or six yeah. hours and he had some fantastic yeah. tales that he regaled us with 
over the course yeah. of our visit. And we took some oh, we items, took some bits, yeah, yeah, which was really really cool. A great mod sinker like there, I think. Um, mm. Yeah, we took some, took some original uh, World War Two items with us, and he he really enjoyed seeing them again, and it sparked some some lovely memories for him. Um, but yeah, that that episode is going to go live uh, next week, so next Tuesday it's going to be out. And um, yeah, it is a cracking episode. It's a fantastic story of his life and experiences. He was a, well, sorry, he is a, a Normandy veteran. So he was there for the North, Northwest Europe campaign all the way through to the end of the war uh, with the Oxenbooks Light Infantry. So uh, it was a fantastic one. But on, uh, on that sort of note, what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up this episode. And uh, thanks, Pete, for joining us. Well, we'll... Thanks, thanks for interviewing me. <laughs> <laughs> You're most welcome, mate. It's been, been a pleasure. We're looking forward to uh, having you on future podcasts here and there as well which would be really nice and exciting so i'm looking forward to it thanks guys for listening and uh, until next time take care